Last week on Instagram, I asked you guys to give me your burning questions that you want me to answer. So I picked the top 10 most popular questions and I'm gonna answer all those questions in this video. It's gonna cover everything from real estate to Bitcoin, as well as economic cycles and just simple things like, should I buy now or should I be waiting? So if you're interested in what my thoughts are, then definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name is Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now, if you aren't following me on Instagram, you should definitely go follow me. I've actually got a free subscription channel there, which has over 500 members now. And that's where I post a lot more data, a lot more charts that I can't include in these videos. So definitely go join, it's for free and follow me on Instagram. Now let's jump straight into the first question, which is the 18.6 year cycle, where are we at? And is it different this time around? So if you're not familiar with the 18.6 year cycle, Cycle. It's based on land theory and land economic cycles. Definitely go check out this video where I broke down exactly what I was thinking and broke it down in a bit more depth so you can understand what the cycle actually includes. There's a couple of phases within those cycles and instead of breaking it down here, you can go and check it out in that video. But where are we at right now? At a very high level, I believe we're about two to four years away from the top of this market. So what does that exactly mean? Now, during the last couple of years of the growth phase in that cycle, you have what's called the winner's curse. And that's where a lot of people go in, FOMO, into the markets when it doesn't make sense at all because now they can actually borrow. So if you think about where we're at right now, I don't think we're anywhere near the top and I think we've got a few years till we get there. And the reason I say that is because right now, most people can't actually borrow. Now, when you compare that to say 2021, when interest rates were so low, everyone would go out there and buy as much as they could. There was a bit of FOMO. Now we've seen markets correct and that's why this time around, it could be slightly different. But as we know, markets don't repeat, but they do sure like to rhyme. So in this case, I think because we had interest rates move up so quickly, we could potentially have kicked the can down the road further where we see the top of this market a little bit further down the track than actually earlier in the cycle. These are all averages. So sometimes you'll have cycles that go on for a little bit longer and then some cycles that go for a little bit shorter. But in my opinion, I don't think we're anywhere near the top. And I think with next year, we've got more government policy, which means grants coming into play. We've got tax cuts coming and potential of rate cuts actually occurring as well. Now, could those rates cut and then introduce more inflation later down the track? Potentially. And that could potentially be the precursor for why we actually go and have this massive correction. I don't think it's anywhere near the top. You can see business confidence, you can see consumer confidence, all pretty low at the moment. So that's where I think we still have at least three to four years before we see that top. And that's why you can position yourself to make the most amount in the next couple of years, then be in a position where you can prep for what comes after that. That's exactly what I'm prepping for and I'm going and prepping with my clients. Number two, investing for your children's future. How would you go about doing this. Now, obviously I don't have kids at the moment and we're a few years away from that. But if I had kids right now and I was thinking, where do I want to be? Where do I want to position them? It's really about shelter. So yes, I'm going to be biased here, but I think real estate is very important. They need a house at the end of the day. And if that could be something that they can leverage later on to either move into or use that as a stepping stone to then move into their actual home, then I would go and do that. As I've made very clear on the channel, I don't really believe in shares. I don't believe in stocks. Yes, there's companies that are doing really well right now, but if they don't pivot and have the right strategies later down the track, they are going to fail. So instead of me trying to be involved with all of that, I would rather focus on things I know and really focus on good quality assets like real estate that I would hold. Now, obviously in my case, I'm building out an investment portfolio, not just for myself, but for my family. So that's very important to know is that although I'm doing these things next to my name, because there's benefits to it, when I have kids, there might be limitations as to what I can and can't do. So I would ultimately be in a position where I would love to give them a foundation to work from. Now, if I'm looking at just saving cash, 
cash and putting it into lower risk sort of plays like just leaving it in a term deposit. That's also possible, but I know that with the knowledge I have with where I'm at in the market, I can make so much more when it's leveraged with real estate. And then in a couple of years, I may decide to take some of that equity out, put it into some safer plays and call it a day. Number three, is now a good time to buy real estate? I think this sort of refers back to the first question, which is where do I think we're in the cycle? I think we're entering a period where we should see some explosive growth. And no, I'm not saying we're gonna see 20, 30, 40% growth in a year like we did in 2020. I think that was a black swan event. Since then, we've had some areas correct, but I still think that we can see double digit growth in many areas. I'm not just talking about 2024, I'm talking about 24, 25, and potentially 26 as well. We could see some sort of top in the market. And that is why you need to have the right strategy, have the right plans and the right people around you because you don't wanna get caught left holding the bags. I know many people last cycle that actually got caught and ultimately you can hold through to the next cycle. But why would you do that if you can have the velocity of money concept work for you, get into the markets when you can, get out of the markets when you can, and then always have an emergency buffer. So in my opinion, yes, I would be buying right now. That's exactly what I'm doing. And I still think that with interest rates so high, people are looking at this at a very short term lens. They're saying, oh, well, my cash flow is slightly negative. Yes, but if rates cut in 12 to 18 months and you have rents increasing at the rates they do because vacancy rates are next to zero, then you're going to set yourself up for success when those markets turn as well. Number four, owner occupier versus investment property. Now, there was an argument that was going around when interest rates were low in 2020 and 21, where people were saying, well, it's actually cheaper to buy than it is to rent. Ravi, you're an idiot. Now, I would go and take on that Ravi's an idiot most of the time, but in this case, I'm not an idiot because now with interest rates so high, there's a lot of people that have got caught holding the bag where they've bought this apartment because they said, hey, it's actually cheaper to buy than it is to rent. Now they're screwed because their apartments have come down in value. And I'm not just talking about apartments, but there's plenty of houses in areas like Melbourne and Greater Melbourne where the prices have actually come down. So you could be in there holding a property that's gone down in value just so you could avoid having to pay rent. Now we're in a situation where interest rates are so much higher, your property is probably worth a lot less. But if let's say you didn't have that property, it would technically be cheaper to rent right now than it is to buy. So for me personally, if I didn't have an investment portfolio, I would be going in rent vesting. As I've said pretty much all through the existence of the channel, it is the greatest hack for people that are in their 20s, 30s and 40s to go and position themselves well. Because yes, you can go and buy your own property and then you're attached. Then you make all the decisions in your life around that one property. Now to me, when you're young, you don't really know what's going to happen around the corner. You want to be agile. And that's why if you can position yourselves with investment properties, then you can ultimately go and sell those investment properties to buy your dream home. If you go and buy your own occupier, every decision you make is with the mindset that I can't lose that house. If I decided I wanted to go and leverage a little bit more, pump a little bit more in my business, go and invest a little bit more, I could do that and I could just go and move into a place that's smaller and the rent is actually cheaper. So it gives you more flexibility and that's what I would want right now. What are the best ways to set up your bank accounts for multiple home loans? Now this is going to be a personal choice. I know some people that have an offset account for each property they have and then they go and transfer manually into those accounts and they're just very diligent about that. They may have direct deposit set up, they might have rents go into separate accounts, they also have their pay going to one account and then it disperses into other accounts and just thinking about that just makes me so confused. So for me, I like to keep it simple. I want to streamline and be efficient with everything. I may have one offset account and that's linked to my biggest loans, I may have a second or third, but I would know what the tapping out point is for that actual offset relative to the loan I have. And then when it comes to my salary, I know that I'm pretty good with money, I don't actually go and spend on dumb shit like some of you guys do. So I know that I've got real good discipline when it comes to the money that comes into that account. I'm not spending on dumb shit. So if I'm using that money to pay for groceries, I know what the budget roughly looks like. But I also know some of you guys will sit there and say, well, yeah, I'm not going to spend it. I'm not going to spend it. And then something happens impulsively and you buy something. For people like that, you're probably going to be better off having designated bank accounts to set yourself up. And if you've got home loans, you definitely 
definitely need a proper process because that's one thing you don't want to miss out on. If you default on payments, there goes your credit report and boy, is it a tough road to get back from. So I think it comes down to a personal choice. If you have the discipline, I would rather less paperwork, but if you're someone that needs the discipline forced on you, that's why some people love principal and interest loans because it forces them to save by having to pay their principal now. Number six, what are your thoughts on buying real estate in your SMSF? So SMSF for anyone that doesn't know is basically a self-managed super fund. Now at the moment when you go out and get your first job, you basically get allocated a super fund and the money you make from your employer, there's a portion there, it's about nine, 10, 11% and that goes in towards your super. It's automatically done and then that super account, although you may believe that it just sits there, the super fund actually goes and invests for you in the stock market, in paper money, in money markets and whatnot. And so what you do is you see a return and so you've got this forced savings because your employer is paying you this portion that goes towards your super, you don't touch it and then that continues to grow. Now personally, because I don't believe in the stock market, I chose to go out there and take back my super. So that's not me going, ah, I can use that now. It's just that my super is managed by me, which means I can go and invest it however I like. One of the ways that people like to do it is investing their super into real estate. It's something that's not really spoken about as much, but I've made a video on this channel about self-managed super fund and how you can actually retire really, really wealthy and it's quite easy. Definitely go check out this video. There are a few differences between buying property in your personal and your SMSF account. So definitely go check out that video. Now I know for a fact right now, it is very popular with people to go and use their money to invest into real estate. Real estate's getting expensive, people can see it. You don't need to be a genius to know migration's coming in, demand's increasing, there's no one building property. And so people are saying, well, I don't really want it controlled by someone else and I understand real estate. So they often come to us as a buyer's agency and get us to help them buy the right properties because yes, you can buy a property in SMSF, but if you buy the wrong one, well, there you go, there's your super gone and you're probably living on the street somewhere. Okay, it's a bit extreme, but who knows? Number seven is how many coins or tokens are you planning to have in your crypto portfolio before the next bull run? Now, this is something that I'm actually gonna be sharing a lot more of in probably the next six to 12 months because as soon as I mention what coins I'm looking at, despite me saying I'm not actually buying right now because I think prices are gonna go much lower, people will go and use these videos to say, oh, that's what he recommended, that's what I'm gonna go buy. So I'm not even gonna say anything, but my crypto portfolio is not going to be as big as what I had it in the last cycle. I feel like everyone goes through this learning where every cycle you go through in crypto, you go and reduce how many coins you actually hold. Because in the first cycle, you sort of go spray and pray. Oh, I've heard that that's good. I've heard that's good. The second cycle, you're like, okay, I'm gonna have more of a focus. But then sometimes you get the timing wrong or someone on Twitter's just absolutely got you bullish on something and you buy the wrong coin at that time. So personally, I think it's gonna be made up of about eight to 10 coins. I can't see it being much more than that. And it would be across different industries as well. The way that I would play it is the top two in each of those industries that I'm interested in when it comes to Web3. And then I will continue to monitor those prices because again, I can manage to do like 10. I can't manage to look at 50 and look at charts and then follow everything around what the development looks like. Number eight, apartments versus houses better for capital growth. Now look, I think if you look at historical data, you'll find that houses outgrow apartments. And yes, there's different times of the cycle, different areas that may outperform other areas, but I'm gonna make a dedicated video about this. Definitely let me know in the comments down below. Units versus houses. I'll make that video because this video is gonna be way too long if I get into this one. Number nine, base set Charizard or Bitcoin. Now, as much as I love Pokemon cards and I've made plenty of videos on this channel that you may not have watched because you like Pokemon cards investing, uh, yeah, no thanks, unsubscribe. But in this case, numbers don't lie. And the fact is that if you buy the right assets and you're actually interested in those things, you can make a hell of a lot of money. So you can pretty much gauge that I would rather invest in things I understand and actually love because I'm gonna surround myself with the education needed to be successful in that. When people go running after trends or chase after things that they're like, oh, that seems like the next flashy thing. That's when they screw up. In my case, I know there was a big AI narrative and stock 
stocks went up through the roof and there was certain companies that did really well. But I was like, no, I don't understand that well enough. I'm going to focus on what I know. And that has led me to be a very successful investor so far. So for me, answering this question, yes, I love Baset Charizard, but I think long term, I would rather be speculative with Bitcoin than I would be with a Charizard card. And that's probably more so because I've got more Charizard cards than I do have Bitcoin. So that's probably going to play a part. My final question is better to rent or buy if you live in Sydney. So I think I've already addressed this question, but ultimately something like Sydney, if I was to buy a place as an investment, I'm looking at like a 2% yield, which is like shit. If I was to go and buy my own place, again, you're averaging out to like eight, 900K just to buy a house. Imagine being young and having a 900K mortgage next to your name, paying at six or 7% interest rates. Like that sounds really deadly to me because the stress that comes on top of it, the career development moves that you can't make now, it just seems very silly. So for me, if I'm living somewhere that's really expensive or I want to live somewhere that's expensive, I would much rather rent than I would to go and actually buy a place. So they're the top 10 questions that I actually had. If you have more questions, I'd love to actually answer them. So let me know in the comments down below what your question is and I'll make sure to include them throughout the videos I make in the next couple of weeks. If you have enjoyed this one, smash that like button, subscribe if you haven't already and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.